Welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany, the podcast that is sure to challenge and grow your faith. Join me as we hear personal testimonies from ordinary people having radical encounters with Jesus. Together, we'll learn the power of believing God and His Word. I hope it inspires you to look at how God is showing Himself faithful in your life and challenges you to step out and testify. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. Y'all, today's episode is going to be amazing. My guest, who is sharing with us today, she is the number one Amazon best-selling author. She's an inspirational speaker. She's the CEO and founder of Speak Out, an organization that helps victims of sexual abuse find their voice and become victorious. She's a member of RAIN, Rate Abused Incest National Network Speaker Bureau. She loves the Lord. So y'all, let me welcome our guest, Miss Elizabeth. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so glad and honored uh, to be here. All glory to God uh, that this connection happened. Yes, I just... Yes, just in our exchange over social media, I'm looking forward to hearing your story and what God's done. I can relate to some extent. I um, was sexually abused in my 20s, and I know the journey God has took me on to heal me and restore me. And I'm just looking forward to be able to hear your story and just um, for the listeners to hear a woman of God and her story. The bottom line is, as I was thinking about this interview, is that there is no situation too dark, too ugly, too messy that our God cannot come in and rescue us from. And and I and I sense this is this is your testimony, Elizabeth, what you're about to share with us, and I am excited to hear. Um, The Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. And so, Elizabeth, if you want to just share a little bit about who you are with us, your background, and then feel free to go right on into your testimony. And um, I'm just I'm looking forward to it. So it's it's all yours. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Um, I first want to start out and acknowledge God and glory to him. And then secondly, I want to um, thank him for the opportunity of of making me a mom to the most beautiful, curly-haired, unicorn-loving, rainbow (laughs) uh, daughter ever uh, with the greatest energy, the the biggest heart. Um, When she sees um, you know, the paramedics and the firefighters, she'll stop and pray. Um wow. for since she was a kid, since she was three, I think, she she would pray, Mom, we have to pray. 
And so I just love her heart and love her uh, her compassion towards people. Even when we pray at night, she says, can we pray for those who are sick and the homeless and those who have COVID? Um, wow. So she's, she's beautiful. She just has a beautiful heart. So I'm so thankful God has given me the opportunity to be her mom. Um, which, which it was for her that I started on this journey of um, really, basically, I, when I had her eight years ago, uh, my mom passed away three days afterward. And I had this moment of, um, <laughs> so she was born in January. So when February came, you know, the in-laws left, the husband went back to work and it was just me and, and this kid. Um, and I remember praying and giving her back to God and saying, um, in order for her to be everything that you created her to be, I have to be everything you created me to be. And so God, take us on this journey where we become the women that you want us to be. Um, and so since then, I really just focused on overcoming uh, the, I would say, the the symptoms of sexual abuse, which for me was, um, I was first molested when I was three. Um, my mom, um, there's six of us kids. I'm the oldest girl. I'm an older brother and four younger siblings. Um, and by the age of three, I, I was molested. Um, they were by the babysitter. Mom didn't, mom would work and we didn't have a lot of uh, options because we were very bad kids. Um, and so our cousin and his friend were babysitting us. And my, <laughs> my siblings are so bad. I think at this time, only three of us, four of us were born. Um, we're, we're all a year apart. And so if I was three, yeah, then two of us, so three of us were born. Um, and my brothers were pouring milk and cereal on the floor and the other brother was throwing eggs on the wall. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, you know, what, what mess can I get into? And, um, as I'm thinking about that, my cousin's friend comes and grabs my hand and uh, walks me down the hall to the bathroom and in the bathroom, he has covers and pillows laid on the floor. Um, he takes me in and um, takes off my clothes. And for the first time, I was um, molested. And um, by the age of seven, I, I didn't think sex was bad. I thought sex was normal, as normal as breathing or, you know, drinking a cup of water. I didn't know um, it was something a seven-year-old wasn't supposed to do. And so by the age of 11, um, I'm sexually active. My mom put me on birth control when I was 13, which also was the same time that I was being molested by her husband and also raped by her drug dealer. Um, and then when I was 15, well, the drug dealer situation happened when I was 15. And then she also reported her, um, her husband then as well. And I remember the DA, and she was a DA for both cases. And she said, it seems like you're just an out-of-control teen who enjoys having sex with older men. And after she said that, I just felt like that was my label. Like, she nailed it. And so I continued with my sexual behavior, um, having sex with anyone, boys, men, um, whoever wanted to. Um, and at the time, after I was molested, I became mute. Well, mom said I was mute before then, um, before three. Uh, but I know for sure at three is when... Um, I remember just becoming silent and not speaking out about anything that happened to me. And, you know, and I'm from a typical black family where what happens in the house stays in the house. You know, we don't, we don't talk about anything. 
um, outside of that. And so all of my abuse happened at home. And so um, I never spoke out about it. It made me even more mute um, after being molested at home. Uh, and so as I grew up, I, I became um, selective mute as my therapist labeled me. Um, as I grew older, um, I had all these sexual encounters and never spoke out about it until I wrote my first book, uh, No Longer Silent, where I just share um, about different experiences that I, I was afraid to talk about sexually. Um, and so I speak out about them. And then um, by the age of 21, um, I thought I had a sex addiction um, that I thought I had until I got married at 24. Uh, we had our daughter at 26, and then we were divorced uh, five years later, um, which I then went back to the same sexual behavior. And my therapist now, um, as of last week, or this past Thursday, actually, um, he made a comment that um, I wasn't actually sexually, it wasn't a sex addiction, because those who have addictive behaviors are not able to to stop. And there were moments, like when I was in Bible college from uh, 17 to 21, that I wasn't sexual. Um, there were times, you know, in my marriage that it was just him and I, you know, obviously in the marriage without any other partners. And so there were different times in my life where um, I wasn't sexually active or I didn't have multiple partners. And so because of that, it wasn't an addiction because, the, again, those who have addictive behaviors are controlled by that addiction. Um, that they're not able to stop. And then they're not forward thinking, you know, obviously getting married, my relationship with my daughter and moving forward. And so um, when he said that to me, it was like another epiphany of just God's grace and God um, working his way throughout my life. I was also saved when I was 13. Um, and it was a confusing time because of, you know, the church really didn't talk about it. And then I have the world saying, if it feel good, do it. So I'm, I continue doing it because it felt good. So, um, so it's what I did. Um, probably into the marriage, like I said, after my divorce, I've been divorced now for six years. And so the first couple of years, um, I did behave back in those addictive behaviors or that those sexual behaviors. Um, but I really, really wanted to focus on a better relationship with my daughter. Um, like I said, she's, just been my world after the divorce um, and wanting to raise her still with biblical principles. And so um, really focusing on being pure and um, not using, you know, my symptoms of sexual abuse to overtake my life. And so um, I still go to therapy for, you know, those thoughts or those urges that I may have and uh, controlling them. Um, and like you said, just God's grace through it all. Um, and, and I could have, or I felt, I always had a fear of Saul, you know, when, um, when Saul was king and before he made David king, God said, I made a mistake in making you king. And I always feared that God would say, I made a mistake in making you wow. and creating you, um, because of my sexual behaviors. And so I always had, um, this fear of God. Um, until lately, I've been able to experience intimacy with God. The less intimacy I had with men, the more intimacy I grew with God. And how loving of a God is so graceful, like I said. And and all glory goes to him because I, I can think back to um, 
you know, I I've, I don't have AIDS. I don't have HIV. I don't have uh, thousands of kids. Like I, I have one kid that came from a marriage. Um, and like, I don't, I don't have, you know, different kids with different baby dads and, um, or anything. And I just have this, this story of overcoming, um, just sexual abuse and being able to talk about it, speak out about it and, and live victorious. Now, um, my daughter and I attend a new church. Someone just donated us a car. Um, we're in ministry. I'm going to class for being a prophet. Like this church is a good foundation for us. So we're just on the right. And again, it's, it's just all glory to God. I can be, I can be off so much worse, like a black single mom. Um, there's so many statistics uh, about me that I could have fallen into, but instead um, I use my pain to build a business. Um, I always saw mom working several jobs to take care of us. And I didn't want that. I wanted to still be a part of my daughter's life. And so having, you know, working a full-time job and then being an entrepreneur gives me the opportunity to still have time um, to be with her. We have mother-daughter days, mother-daughter dates. We painted for Valentine's Day. Um, we're going to go to the arcade later on today. And so I really just take time to really invest, like I said, into the woman that God has created her to be um, by loving her and investing that time within her. Um, and so that's... That's my story overall um, in a nutshell. I mean, obviously, there's more details. Um, you can get the book and read more details about that. Um, well, yeah, that's that's me overall. Elizabeth, can you, can you share about your book? Um, since you just brought that up, can you um, tell people where they can find it and what, what they can expect in getting it and reading through it? Can you touch a little bit on that right now? Yeah, so the book is called No Longer Silent. Like I said, I was um, I was labeled selective mute as a teen because I wouldn't speak out about but about anything, not just sexual abuse. I was verbally abused by my mom. Um, I never thought she, till the day she passed, I thought she didn't like me. I t I, so I talk about stories like that. I talk about, um, there was a situation um, in, my, in my junior year high school. I talk about, I never told anyone, but inside the book. And so the book was literally my the stories that I hid in my heart that I never told anyone about or situations that it's sex as my foundation I, I I talk about it I'm open about it I think I have a a chapter that you know is about sex and so I just want it to be open um and talk about because we don't talk about it in church so I wanted to create an environment that it was okay not just to talk about sex in church but women don't talk about sex I also talk about um masturbation as well you know I, I struggled with that for a while so there's stuff in that in that book in the book and just overcoming um that dating god and talk about that too um like you said growing in intimacy with god and so you can find the book uh, on amazon um for sure so my, as an author my name is elizabeth bernice and so again the book is no longer silent and so uh it can be found on uh, amazon Elizabeth, you know, I, I can agree with you. I feel like this is not talked about enough in church and um, or, or even in even amongst women and groups. And there's a couple things that I feel like Holy Spirit is just highlighting is that this is a topic that needs to be talked about. We need to talk about that our bodies are a holy temple and yes. they, they are unto the Lord and that we are stewards of our body. Yes. And and um, I, too, can relate like. I feel like tears welling up in my eyes because I can completely relate to you that 
in in my own walk, it's amazing that I didn't have a bunch of kids or or all of these different things that God in his grace, I don't understand it, yes. but I'm so, but I am so thankful for it when I think about it. And I feel like you can relate when I think about the goodness of God in his hand on my yes. life, even in my rebellion, I am undone yes. because my life, just like you said, your life could look completely different. And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely beautiful. That tells me that God is a good God, but it also tells me that, that you have a plan. God has a plan for your life and there's a purpose in your pain. And, and I love that, that God has given you the boldness to open your mouth and start speaking out about this. And, um, and so another thing when you were telling your story is I'm just curious. So you said that you, you were saved at the age of 13, but this is still in the midst of you being molested. Right. And I want to point out that you weren't, you weren't molested in the beginning by strangers. It was your own family. Yes. People that, that you were supposed to feel safe around people that you were supposed to trust people that, that you loved. And, and so, um, I, I, can you take me back to at the age of 13, how you found the Lord, like what took place in that season of your life? So it's a funny story because um, (laughs) like most kids who get grounded their their parents tell them, um, you know, go to your room. Let me like nowadays, it's probably let's take away your electronics, change the Wi-Fi password. Um, But back then it was, you know, you got to stay inside and go to your room, you know, type of thing. Well, because of my, again, my, my selective mute, I'm already introverted naturally. Um, I isolated uh, what they call is dis- disassociation. And so I disassociated from the world um, and I didn't go outside. So when I got grounded, I had to go outside. Um, and the importance of that is uh, the church, there was a church um, in our inner city neighborhood as a kid that they came around and did what they called visitation and they handed out flyers for their, their, um, it was like a Sunday school event, but they did it in the neighborhood. And so they brought out a van. They did a, like a memory verse, like your typical Sunday church school. They did in the neighborhood on Saturday morning. They gave out tons of candy. Um, you, I think sometimes could win a prize. Um, they gave a story lesson, like typical, you played games, like all that jazz. Um, they laid out tarps and it was, they did a back to school thing. It was like a huge thing. So I was grounded. <laughs> one day and how to say go outside and I'm outside and I'm watching this program happen. Um, and I'm like, who the heck are these people coming into my neighborhood? <laughs> um, with all this loud music, you know? And so, um, I got intrigued. So every Saturday morning, um, after I was grounded, I would still go, I would go over there and see what this program was about. Um, and I ended up getting involved into the program. Um, the, the leader of the program became, um, no, so remember, I don't know if he was a member or the leader or whatever, but he became a youth pastor. And when he became a youth, before he became a youth pastor, he started a, a youth group like in our community. We're like a really bad, um, we're in Denver, Colorado. And so back then, uh, where I lived in the inner city was one of the worst areas in Denver. Um, yeah. And so he built a youth group within, like we packed out a lady's house. I remember him standing in the kitchen stairs. We packed out the living room um, and he's, he's preaching in the middle of the, yeah, the kitchen and the living room preaching to a bunch of um, ghetto kids, as I would call us uh, back then. 
um, are really pouring into our lives. But when he became a youth pastor at the church, he took kids from the neighborhood and kids from the church, and he made a youth group um, within us. And I was one of those kids that he saw as a leader. Um, and I went to the leadership class. I think there was a youth convention shortly after. Um, and I went to that youth convention, and at that youth convention is when I gave my heart to God. Um, and so all all that's happening, like I said, at the same time. And I'm not sharing this with anyone, but my mom's husband is molesting me this whole time. I told her about it. She didn't believe me, so I thought no one would ever believe me. And again, you know, what happens in the house stays in the house. So I didn't say anything about it. Um, and I remember there would be nights that I would cry and cry and cry. And uh, my huge pastor's wife would rub my leg. And she would hold my hand, and I and I was so afraid to tell her of what was happening at home. And I would hate to get dropped off at home. I would spend all my time at church. Um, I would learn sound, or I would learn whatever I needed to learn to not to not go home um, and be at home. But I never told anyone why. Um, I didn't want to go home. Um, but that's but that's how I got saved was through the program was called Metro Kids, and so I got saved through Metro Kids, um, and then became a youth leader, and then. Um, when my pastors, youth pastors, moved to Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, and became senior pastors, I became their kid outreach pastor, the children's outreach pastor. Before I left, I became their youth pastor. Well, I'm like, again, tears just filling my <laughs> eyes, relating to you as a 13-year-old girl who wanted so bad to cry out for help. But through shame and guilt yep. and and rejection and abandonment, you felt like you couldn't. But also mm-hmm. my heart for that man and his obedience to go to the inner city, no matter what other people said or how bad the kids acted on a mission from God. And that out of his obedience, your salvation came. Yeah. And how beautiful that is. And so. I am so moved by, I just think about, man, the call that God has placed in our life, it's so important that we oh, fulfill yeah. it because we don't know whose life God wants to save. God yes. wants to set free just from us being obedient to our father and mm-hmm. that man out of his obedience and the woman who opened up her house out of, out of her obedience came your salvation. And I think about the goodness of God in that you were grounded every weekend. Because God, <laughs> you, God used that. Romans eight twenty eight says he works all things together for yeah. Elizabeth's good and God's mm-hmm. glory. He used you being grounded to get you out of the house for a period where you felt safe. You yep. could hear the word of God. You could play with other kids. You could be in fellowship. It's absolutely beautiful to see the hand of God in that. Something Definitely. else that, that comes to mind, Elizabeth, I am... I have four children. Uh, my first three were boys. God had told me and my husband we would have girls. And we are girl. We have a girl now. She's one year old. And obviously, awesome. I know that you can relate. Being a, being a woman, going through sexual abuse, molestation, and now having to raise a daughter, the mm-hmm. weight of that, I feel like had I not walked through what I walked through, had you have you not walked through what you've gone through, maybe the weight would be a little different. Maybe not. But Mm -hmm. I feel such a weightiness, like you said, to raise my my daughter to to, that she would know that she's a woman of God and to Mm -hmm. steward, steward that gift. Well, how has what you've gone through 
change the way you parent now that God has given you this girl? Uh, you know, it's, it, it's ironic that you talk about how, you know, we, we have that, uh, what my, my therapist would call trauma brain, where, where we, 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 we do things from our abuse perspective. And, mm-hmm. well, I was abused like this. So I don't want my daughter to do this. And I don't want her to do that. And I want like I told you, my daughter is like unicorn, rainbow. I want to twirl and jump and play. And, and I couldn't do that as a kid. Because I, I was always thick. I always had a butt. You know, I got I was developed early uh, at 11 years old. I had breasts already. And so mom said uh, when I first told her that her her boyfriend touched me um, at the time, she said it was the way you dressed. So then I dressed like a tomboy. Then it was the way I stood. So then I would try to sit whenever whenever I, I still to this day. If there's only me and a man um, in a room, I will sit down and, and, and stand up so he wouldn't look at me. Um, And so I have to ignore trauma brain and I have to, I have to, like when I gave her to God, I have to look at her from that godly biblical perspective because trauma brain is fear. I'm afraid that my daughter is going to be touched by a man. So I want her to act like this versus I know who God is. And I know that God's not going to allow this to happen to my child. So I'm going to let her be who God has called her to be. So baby girl, if you want to do a dance at the bus stop, you do a dance. You twirl and you twirl and you twirl. And you go ahead and jump on that bench and you jump off. Okay? Go, sing at the top of your lungs, child. Sing. Mm-hmm. Because that's what God gave you. God, when I, when I was pregnant with my daughter, her name is Kamea. When I was pregnant with her and she would move to music, God said she's going to be a worshiper. And I was like, oh, she's going to be a singer. And when she when she came out the womb, she started dancing. And God said, worship is not just in word. It's in dance. And so when my child danced, she's worshiping God. And if I take that away from her because of my trauma brain, I'm taking away who God has called her to be, which is in opposite of God's character. It's in opposite of what he has put me on this earth to be her mom for. And so I have to, and and, and honestly, sometimes it's a daily moment by moment, minute by minute situation. Um, because my trauma brain sometimes wants to overpower that spiritual biblical, this is what God said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to take that step back. Where where is this coming from, Elizabeth? Is this coming from fear or is this coming from God? Wow, I feel like that is a nugget for me. Yes, trauma brain. I have I've that I'm speechless. That is wisdom. I love it. Yes, because we don't want to hold our kids back from who they're meant to be because of something we experienced. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even I feel like Holy Spirit is saying, even for me, there's a place of healing that he needs. He needs to touch in in my own personal life just from hearing what you just said. Um, And so thank you for for being a voice. And um, thank you, Holy Spirit, for just through again, you know, I love the Bible. We overcome by the word of our testimony mm-hmm. and um, listening to you. It's like, I am overcoming right now and on a whole new level. There's something else I want to bring up that stood out to me in your story is that you said from an early age, you were labeled mute. So yes. when this, so I'm assuming and correct me if I'm wrong, prior to this abuse, you, you talked, you did your thing. You were a, a, an innocent child who did what she did but when the abuse set in 
it took you you just literally like you didn't talk at all or were there times that you talked and i'm assuming it was from the trauma that you had experienced so so there's there's two different types of well there's several different types of mutism um but there's two in my situation there's two different types there's traumatic mutism then there's selective mutism so ironically before the traumatic mutism i was already selective mute Mom, mom said that I was already like I, I was shy. Um, I didn't talk a lot. Like if if people were walking, I would be like the one behind everyone. Like I was, and to this day, I don't have a sense of urgency. I think God just skipped that ingredient when He made me. Um, I, I don't have a fast bone in my body. Like I want to take the time. I want to smell the roses. I want to see the beauty. Um, and if I need to go fast, then whatever. Like we'll deal with that later. But. <laughs> Um, but I don't have a sense of urgency. And so, um, and so before that I was already, but I, but I would talk like at home, um, when I was in comfortable situations, I would talk, but once that traumatic situation happened, it drew me more into that mutism where I didn't, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to my siblings. And, and maybe that's where mom and I's relationship stopped because I didn't talk to her. Um, I, I didn't feel like I trusted her enough to go right. to her. Elizabeth, do you feel like the communication stopped because every time that you tried to say something, it was um, dismissed? Like yes, like you, like you have a voice, but I'm not listening to it. Um, yes, I, I, yeah, you said that this happened, but no, this that's not what happened. Like so, because your voice was, they chose to dismiss you and not to hear you. Did you subconsciously? Just think, well, I guess my voice doesn't matter. I guess what hap is happening to me doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And and from that point, I let other people create the narrative of whatever it was. along with it. Yeah. And I just went, like, yeah, until, I think even until my, no, I would say in the, even in my marriage is that my 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 ex-husband, whatever he, if our, if everything was fine, he said everything was fine, it was fine. Hmm. You know? I, and, and he would do things at home that wasn't okay, but I didn't say, I didn't tell anyone. Because he said it was fine, so it was fine. Um, and it wasn't in, even until even after we were divorced, I still refused to say that it was because he 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 uh, took over the finances. Nothing was in five years of marriage. Nothing was financial was in my name. I didn't work a day during our marriage. Um, I think later, like halfway through our engagement, is when I stopped working, um, and I didn't work all the whole the whole time. And so I didn't know that that was a form of domestic violence. Uh, that that's a part of the 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 beginning steps before it gets to the physical is that it's part of the grooming process is that they have that financial control. I refuse to believe that that was my case even after the divorce. And I was like, no, that didn't have I'm too strong of a woman to allow a man to do that to me. Hmm. But it was true. It was it was happening. But I, but I but I would tell myself. No, I, I didn't allow that to happen, but I went along with his narrative and I didn't speak out about the things that happened to me in my marriage. I didn't speak out of the things that happened to me between mom. You know, I, it wasn't until my mom's husband molesting me, I carried the guilt of that as my fault until 2015. Wow. And I thought it was, and, and it was, it was my, my coach, my, as I'm creating this business, um, my husband at this point, my husband and I are separated. Um, we're, I'm building this business, and 
and in telling my business coach or my gift coach um, about, you know, the divorce and stuff is he's telling me, do you know that wasn't your fault? And I'm at work crying. And I was like, what do you mean? It's not my fault. And, and I, I talk about a chapter in my book and it's called, it's not my fault. Um, where I come to grips that from 13, I carried this guilt. Mm. I was 13 years old. <sighs> there was no way that a 13 year old was like, yes, let me go sleep with you. Let's go. And even okay. if I did, you're a grown man, you know, that you should have took control of the situation. Right. Or, or my mom, I told you, I came to you as your child and you dismissed me. You know, this, this too, just hearing your story, I want the listeners to understand the power of our words. We're created in the image of God. Genesis one twenty seven. the Bible says that he spoke he said, let there be light. And there was light. Our God is a creator and he's made us in his image. The Bible says in Proverbs that it, our tongue has the power of life and death, that literally we can speak things that create life or create death. And in your situation, for a majority of your life, all that was ever spoken over you was death. And yes. what happened is you came into agreement with that because it's all you ever knew. Yep. So it's really important as a, as mothers, as, as women in leadership, um, as women in the community, as women who serve in our church and, and men too, that we really need to be the watchman over our mouth. And we yes. need to understand that our words have power. And God has told us that we should we should encourage one another. We should edify one another. We should see, we should have eyes to see, just like you said about your daughter. You want to see your daughter through your God, through God eyes, not your trauma brain. Yes. And that way you can see the call that's on her life and you can call it out. What, what by your mouth? Hey, no, this is what God said about you. You're a worshiper. You're a dancer. God loves the way you dance, speaking life over her, speaking mm -hmm. the truth over her. And so, it grieves me to hear that the majority of your your early onset of life, you experienced that. I, too, experienced emotional abuse with words. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've said this in the past, like a bruise heals. Physical abuse, like not that I'm not saying by any means that it is less of an abuse than emotional. But what I am saying is that bruises go away. But something about the power of words can mm -hmm. stay with you and it can shape you. And, I, and I'm convinced that there is nothing that, that can, um, only by the blood of Christ, only by the power of Jesus, can we break agreement with those words yes. and come into a line? Because we need to know the truth about the situation. We've yes. heard the lies and, and, and if we've come into agreement with that, we can't break the hold of that over our life unless we know the truth. And the only yes. truth is God's word. And, and so, um, would like in your journey, as you're, you get saved, you're starting to get involved in church and you know, this, this abuse still, like you said, is going on even into marriage, you experience stuff. What, mm -hmm. how did, you draw on the Lord for strength. How did the Lord begin to transform your mind? How did the Lord, how do you feel like you saw the Lord literally draw you out of this mindset? And, and it's a journey. People need to understand who are listening to us talk that God is a God of process. Yes. God can perform miracles, which are instantaneous, but we are, we serve a God that's, that's he, he cares about the journey. 
-hmm. He cares about the destination and he's a God of process. So, and, and, and for you and I believe myself, we're, we've been on a journey of healing through this and, Mm -hmm. and we like you said, you're growing in intimacy with the Lord. This, this does not happen overnight. It's literally meeting with father and, oh, no. and, and all of that. So will you share your journey with the Lord and, and how you've drawn on him with strength and, and just like the transformation he's done in you as you've go- walked through this? Yeah. So I remember, um, now you have to talk about it. Like, I remember there was a point that, like I said, I was on Craigslist and I'm doing all this meeting with guys at hotels. And I think at this point, there were two guys who were really aggressive um, one, he, he would give me hotel rooms and then there was another guy who it was just him, but he was very rough and abusive, wanted to pierce things that I didn't want pierced. And so things were getting like out of control and I was feeling unsafe. And I remember going to an altar call, um, cause I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what else to do. And so I go to an altar call. Mind you, this is an altar call at my pastor's church who I've known since I was 13 and I'm now 22 maybe. So I'm at the altar call and I'm telling the prayer partner, um, I have this, this sexual demon, I think I called it, um, and I want it off of me and I'm crying and I'm in, in tears. And she and she listened to me and she starts praying and then she goes to the pastor and I'm like, oh, dang it, because he's like my dad. Um, uh, I see him as my dad at this point. And so I'm like, oh, crap, she's going to go tell dad. So I'm freaking out. She's going to go tell him that I'm having this sexual demon. And she didn't say sexual. She just said, oh, she's demon possessed, Pastor. We needed to pray for her. And he kind of rolled his eyes like, oh, I know her. What is this? Another, another. And so let me rewind. When I was when I was in youth, um, again, so I was selective mute. But then when I did start speaking and around comfortable people, I was disrespectful. Because I was still angry and I was still carrying this untold story and this untold abuse. So I still had all these, the shame, the guilt, the fear. I still had all. So when I, when I did open my mouth, it was negative. Mm. Um, and so when I started to speak, so he's just thinking, oh, here she go. Here's another. What, what is Elizabeth going to do now? What is she going to say now? What, what is this now? And so because of that response, um, I knew that I needed more than an altar call. I needed more than just this moment. This was deeper than I'm going to come, you know, to an altar call and bam, God's going to relieve me. It was going to be more than that. And so I started researching, well, how do people over again? And I'm thinking it's an addiction. How do I get over an addiction? Is it sexual addiction? How many women are into sexual addiction? So I'm researching all this stuff. I find a therapist and the first therapist was in the Buddha, which was weird. And so I, I use this analogy where we as women, we will spend forever to find a good hairstylist. If the first one messes up, we are never going back to them. We're going to tell all our friends, don't go. Yep. She's going to mess you up. But when it comes to therapy, we don't do the same thing. Mm. We we go to we go, we go go to one, we're like, oh, no, it's already have a bad stigma. That one was bad. I'm never going to do it again. My soul was so important to get over this abuse, this whatever, mm. that I couldn't stop at, oh, she believes in Buddha. Okay, she just didn't work out for me. Let me continue going. Let me find someone else. And I finally found this therapist, and she did what they call, um, I always pronounce it wrong, but splachna. And what it is, it's, it's muscle muscle testing. It's kind of the same as um, acupuncture, where they're using, like, your muscles to relax you or whatever. 
mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's it's all spiritual. She taps into your subconscious because your subconscious never lies. It's all prayer. She, the Holy Spirit. It's all, it's all it's all this this moment. And when you're talking about getting rid of those those lies and those agreements and those vows, we we hit it on the head. You were 13 and you made this lie. When you were 22, you believed this lie. You had this vow since you were in your mom's womb. So all these things and boom, we prayed it out. We prayed it out. We prayed it out. And that's where it started. Um, I remember and what, what attracted me to my ex-husband was I had spiritual warfare so bad that I was crying hysterically on the floor and he grabs my hand and he's there with me. And so I was like, oh man, this, this has to be my husband. He's praying with me. Uh, he's on the floor with me and he's, you know, into, this has to be the man. Um, and back then I would black out and when I would come to, he has the Bible open and he's you know, reciting the Bible or whatever. And so I was like, man, he's really going through this warfare with me. He has to be the one. Um, and so, but that was just a process too. And so, um, and so to this day, like I said, I still have a therapist today and it's not the same, it's not the same as Flockner. Um, and he's like, I think my medic, my, um, medical insurance pays for it now. Um, but even his perspective, and I think, Oftentimes, as I said, he is that because I've been abused, I've always went to a woman. But a man's perspective is so different and not only different. For me, it's a positive male relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think those of us who have been abused rarely have a non-sexual positive relationship with a man. And Mm -hmm. so it, it opens my mind back to, hey, I can have this type of relationship. Okay, I mean, obviously, I had it with my pastor dad. I've had it with other friends, but this is an outside of church, outside of spiritual connection with someone, and it's non-sexual, you know, it, and, right. and I'm getting, um, you know, things accomplished, obviously. Right, yeah, so so you're still in therapy, yeah, it, it's a journey, and um, yes, it's a journey, so with a therapist, you're, you're seeing the therapist. Something else I wanted to touch on. Um, so you said that you and your daughter are involved in church. And so, mm-hmm. yes, our re- it's a relationship with father. One thing that you saying um, y- your therapist is a healthy representation of a man in your life. Like I can have a healthy relationship with a man who it's not sexual. It's not spiritual. It's just, it's healthy. It's the way God created it. Like communication that's healthy has, I know for me, this is something that God has brought me on a journey of as well. And how we view or the, the interactions we've had with our earthly father, oftentimes we will parallel or reflect to our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. So, if my earthly father was abusive, if my earthly father did X, Y, and Z, then my subconsciously, I believe that my heavenly father is the same way. Mm. And that's something that God has had to take me on that. No, I'm not this way. I am actually, you know, I, you can trust me or I am a good God. Like I, I want to give you good things. I believe the best in you. So do you feel do you feel that that is true for you? Just the relationship and how you viewed your earthly father and what that did to your perspective with, with God. And maybe that's changed now, but can you 
talk about that for a second? Like your just your perspective of God. Did you see him as someone? Well, you had made the comment, you know, how God said I made a mistake with him and you felt you were fearful that God would say he made a mistake in creating you. So obviously there was a time in your life where you viewed God as, you know, oh, I'm a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so with me, um, my earthly father wasn't a part of my life. Um, when I was 15, we somehow got in connection. He was in jail. Um, and I, I just, because I didn't know him, I didn't care. So I just, I let him have it. Why weren't you in my life? Why didn't you do this? Blah, 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 blah. Like, why weren't you there? This is how jacked up we are now because you weren't here. And so I just let him have it in this big old letter. Um, because back then I was, I was a good in poetry. I wrote a lot of poetry. And so I just wrote this big old poem. <laughs> um, and I sent it to him. And I didn't care how he felt. And his response, his response was that he he uh, is a fam- from a family of four, I believe. But he's 10 years younger than his other sibling. Um, and his dad disowned him. And because of that, he didn't know how to be a dad. But he knows how it feels to not have a dad. Right. And so he tried his best to be a dad for us. Um, and like I said, five of us came from him. And then we have a younger brother that has a different dad. Both dads even came together and was like, yo, let's take care of these kids. Let's do this. Well, my mom was like, uh, no, it's not going to happen. You're not going to come in. And she was super you know, controlling. And she's like, you guys are not going to do this. And so she stopped the relationship between um, our dads and us. For, you know, whatever, you know, whatever reasons that she had. And so my heart went out to my dad um, that he tried. And not just that, is that God had put men in my life. My pastor dad, uh, the, the guy who started the Metro Kids. I had these positive male role models in my life. But they were, they were spiritual, again. So so I did have, have that. And I was able to confront da- my dad. My issues was more with women and mm-hmm. my mom. Um, which, which I'm still overcoming. Um, like I said, she, she passed away three days after I had my daughter. And so it was a super confusing time, but that's another subject. But when it comes to my relationship with God is when I got saved at 13 and, and they kept talking about love is God. And to me, sex was love. Wow. And so if love is God and sex is love, then how is this God going to take advantage of me? Wow. And and how is this God like what what do you what do you mean? And it, it was so it became confusing to me because I couldn't see this loving God. Like I said, I was a mistake. I was my relationship with God was still like negative because I couldn't I couldn't see love positive. And it wasn't and this is more recent even and I'm 34 now where um I'm now experiencing a god a godly love, that oh. godly intimacy that when you get deep into the presence of God, and it's through worship and prayer that you get into this place of intimacy. And and I say this, <laughs> I think I say this in my book, and, I, and I'm sorry if this is inappropriate for your podcast, but my my mind w- would say, uh, or I would say, excuse me, is that um, I've been on my knees before men, and I understood that pleasure. But when you're on your knees before God, it's a pleasure that you have never experienced ever in your life. Amen. And 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 being so in, intimate, like I'm getting emotional because there's something so powerful 
when you're face to face with God and you're in that moment with him, like there's nothing like all the trauma, all the drama, all the excuses and every, it, it goes away. And it's just you, you and God. And so now I want those experiences over men. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like if a man comes in like, Oh, you got a nice booty. That's nice. That go away. I'm, I'm good. I, I'm God created me for a reason. And when he got that husband for me, he will experience this booty. Get out of here. And so I have that relationship with God now that I know his love. And I know, and, and just real quick about my pastor dad, he has three girls. And I remember when he had his first one, he said, I'm going to love, tell, I'm going to tell them I love them so much that when a man says, I love you, she'll say, Oh, my dad says that. Tell me something different. And, and I feel like I have that with God now where I've been so intimate with God and I've been so much in his presence that when a man comes up to me now, that I'm like, I know what you can give me. And it's not greater than what God could give me. So move on. Oh, there is nothing like encountering the love of God. And like you said, it's literally when we step into the presence of God, have, addiction breaks off. Yes. We, we really go through. A, it, it's like in, in that. And the presence of God literally is healed. The blind eyes open. The deaf, are re- the deaf can hear. Yes. The dead are resurrected. Like God in his glory and his presence. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that will ever be like it. It's You literally experience mm-hmm. freedom. And, um, and yeah, for somebody who hasn't experienced that, it's really hard to articulate. I, 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 I found myself falling short of like trying to explain what it's like to be in the presence of God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing. There's nothing this world has to offer. Nothing. Nothing. If you're listening right now and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Listen to what Elizabeth and myself are saying. There is nothing like spending time face to face with the one who created you. Yes. The very thoughts that are going through your mind as you're listening to our voice. He I love it. The Bible says that he knows the very hairs on our head. It blows me away. Like when I think about how many hairs are on my head, I'm like, how in the world does he know every one of right. them? That, but he does that. That's the, that's the God we serve. Yeah. And I, so I, I, yeah, if you, if you're listening and you need to experience freedom, freedom, that's it. Freedom. You've got to get in the presence of God. Yes. And it, and it's, Elizabeth, would you agree? It's not hard. It's literally just going somewhere quiet and saying, yeah. God, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Show mm-hmm. me you're real. Show me. I want to feel you. I want to hear you. Like I am here to meet with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's this desperation of wanting God. And I think sometimes when we get into prayer, it's like, oh my God, I want to go to sleep or all the thoughts of, oh my crap. Oh, oh my God. I have all this crap to do or all this stuff. It, it's ignore. You have to get past that. You're going to have that moment. I have a notebook next to me where I'm like, oh, man, I have to do this. God wants to be a part of that part of your life, too. So if it's coming to you in that moment, jot it down, you know, yeah. but you have to get past those thoughts and get past the tiredness part. Or don't do it when you're tired. Whatever, whatever time of day that you're your best, you know, to some people it's at midnight. To some people it's two o'clock in the morning. Whatever it is that you're your best, do it at that time where you're not tired. And then, and then you get past the thought process, write it down. And then you get into that deep, that deep part with God. And it's beyond worship. It's, it's this deep, that's all I can say. It's like, it's deep. You just got into this deep place and then you and God go and don't come with your list of, Oh God, you know, I have these goals and have it. No, 
be quiet and let him speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. And and let it just come. Even if you're just reciting scripture and let him come to you. Yeah. Or just my mom would just say, Jesus, Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Like and it comes, like just let it flow. Let it be authentic. Like, and don't don't put a time limit. Don't I'm gonna go in my prayer closet for 15 minutes. Boo boo, God don't work like that. He ain't gonna give you he ain't on your time. It has yes. to be more than 15 minutes. Like let him do his work. Yes. Yes, that's it. it. Yeah, it's when you push past, you know, I love what you said, do it in your best. And and I would say too, like, even if your best is when you've put four kids to bed, your husband's gone out of town on work, the house is a mess, you're exhausted, but you are carrying some weight that only God can lift. You yes. go get in that place. And like Elizabeth said, you've got to press in. You've got to press in. If if I love what you said, your mom just said, Jesus, Jesus, there, I find my times doing, I find myself in times doing the same thing, Elizabeth, where all I can say, all I, all the only strength I have is to say his name. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, once you get to that place, you begin to feel his presence tangibly in your tangibly house. Some people, for me, I can just, I'll just get covered in goosebumps. I'm like, oh, God is here. His presence mm -hmm. is here. Mm -hmm. Some people will begin to weep. Some people will begin to laugh. Some people will begin to have visions. They'll start seeing pictures yep, or yep. you'll begin to hear father. God knows how my husband tells me this all the time. He's like, Tiffany, God knows how to speak to his people. Yes. The way he speaks to Tiffany is not the way he speaks to Elizabeth. And that mm -hmm. is okay because he created us differently. True. But rest assured, he's going to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and the word of God, you've got a Bible, open it up. He's speaking through it. He's speaking through it. What is he saying? Open it up. Um, one thing as we close out, Elizabeth, I want you to talk a little bit about how the organization came to be. And I, I think it's amazing because we do need to be speaking out. We do need to be a voice for girls who are being abused, sex trafficked, molested. And, and um, so will you just, will you just share a little bit about that before we go into a time of prayer? Yes, certainly. So um, I'll try to make it quick. So I was in um, devotion time after um, the separation or during the separation from um, my ex-husband. And I was just in deep prayer. And the devotion was Psalms um, 107.2. And I use the New Living Translation. And it says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. And tell how the how God has redeemed you from your enemies, and and that's the name of my business to speak out, um, and and I looked up the word redeemed because I feel like it's a word we use like our Christian vocabulary word, um, but I don't think it's like uh like what does it mean out outside of that, and and it says like I purchased you like I I um I've taken I despite of what you've done. I, I still love you and I still accept you and I purchased you. And, and, and I felt like, like, wow, like I, I think of like the greatest or the, not the greatest, I was going to say the greatest sin. I was going to, I think of the worst, like when I was prostituting myself uh, in, in my twenties and, and I have like men as a revolving door and God says he purchased me in that moment. Like wow. what, like what kind of God are you? Um, and, and he wants me to speak out about that. And, and this morning, I was listening to um, Elevation Church, and he was talking about how Paul, and he was boasting um, about his weakness. Like, at first, he was like, you know, I'm Paul, and these are these are my, you know, she's speaking to the Church of Corinth. 
And he's like, you, you know, you guys see, you guys know me. I've done this, and this is who I am. And if he comes to, he's like, you know what? This is my, this is the thorn in my side, man. And this is how God's using me. And so I talk about sex openly and bluntly because not just because the church doesn't talk about it, but that if I boast in that, I'm I'm bringing to light the worst parts of me. So God is getting the glory. God is making Himself strong, and and it's all about Him. And it's not about me. Um, and 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 so my whole thing is that. I want women who are abused to no longer feel victimized by the abuse because we physically survived it. So why do we need to emotionally keep putting ourselves into this prison? Wow. And so if we trust in God and what he's given us and speak out, like I've survived it. I, I survived the guilt. I survived the shame, you know, and I'm here now. And if I still have breath in my lungs, it's for a reason. And I don't want to waste it on, Oh, when I was 13, this guy who raped me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, get over yourself, boo boo. It happened. Move on. And there, and okay, and I'm not saying that people who are victims, like your rape or your abuses, wasn't okay. Like, it, it wasn't okay. But your response to it is your responsibility. Have your pity party, boo boo. Have it if you need it. But there comes a point where you got to grow up and you got to use it to learn and use it to grow and use it, at, make your pain push you to success, you know, use it for something. And so that's where the business came from was I'm not going to use this to continue to keep me silent, to continue keeping me in my box. No, God told me I need to speak out from what he has done in me. And so no matter how the enemy tries to isolate, disassociate or do whatever he tries to do. No, at three years old, you're going to try, try to take my voice. No, sir. I'm going to let you know. That you're not going to kill, or destroy this. God, in the name of Elizabeth, uh, let's not even go there. Set apart to God. No, He before yourself came in at three years old to take my voice. God already knew He had a story for me. So I I talked about that yeah. before the before. God knew me, and I want to be that before. Who was Elizabeth before? Wow. And I want to be that and walk in that and be her and show other women that have been abused that they can still be who God's called them to be, despite of despite what's taken place, what's happened to them. Yes. Love it. I love it. Yes. It's all about your story. God's glory. Yes. Like said, Psalm, I love Psalm 23 when you were saying yet what can happen is we get stuck in this where we become instead of walking victoriously because Christ, his blood paid the price mm -hmm. for any traumatic thing that's ever been done to us. If we can surrender that to him, and walk in and allow him to go to that place and heal it. We can walk in wholeness. We can walk in redemption. Yes. He, his blood has the ability to restore us. Like you said, to the before, before that ever took place. Yes. And, and I love it. It's very important that we grasp that. But in Psalm 23, it says this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the mm -hmm. shadow of death, that scripture says walk. It does not say pitch a tent it does not say yay though i live in this moment in mm -hmm. this pain in this mm -hmm. trauma forever it doesn't say we run no it's mm -hmm. walking one foot in front of the other yay yes. though i walk through the valley god i'm gonna walk through this valley yes. of being molested or being raped or or maybe it's something else. Maybe you were emotionally abused or right. maybe you're, you were abandoned as a child and you, you walk in an orphan spirit. You don't know that you are accepted in the beloved. It says, yay, though I'll walk. You cannot 
stay in this place. That's what Elizabeth is saying. That's why she started this organization. God said, you got a voice, open your mouth and tell people that, yes, you, this happened to you. How have I redeemed it? How am I still redeeming it? See, because Elizabeth's story is still being redeemed by the hand of the Lord. She is still going through healing. She is still being delivered from um, things that she thought in her path from her trauma brain. God is still redeeming that and Mm -hmm. cleansing that and healing that. And the same for me. God is still, I believe as long as we have breath, we are going through a process with the Lord where we're, the Bible says he, we, we go from glory to glory. Yes. We're, we're, we're maturing in Christ. We're becoming, we're understanding more of who we are as daughters of the most high God. We're understanding that our words have power. We're understanding the intimacy and the quiet time with the Lord. We're understanding that as we read and feed on his word, that his word is alive and active. And so I love what, I love your testimony. I love what God is, what God has done, what God is doing, what God will continue to do. Um, Elizabeth, as we go into a time of prayer, I would love for you in prayer. And I mean, obviously prayer as the Holy spirit leads, but some points, uh, I would love for you to hit is praying for women who are currently in a situation where they've been muted. You've Mm. had victory in this area. God has came and he's given you victory over this. He's opened your mouth. He's broke off shame. He's broke off guilt. You walk in that authority because you've lived it and God's brought you out of it. And so I would love for you to pray for women that, that are being molested, have been molested um, for guilt and shame. And then I'll come in behind you and I'll, I'll close it up and that'll, that'll conclude our episode for today. So if you want to just go, I would love that. Amen. God, I just, first off, want to just thank you. I want to thank you for this connection with Tiffany. I just want to thank you for those who are going to hear the podcast. And I just want to pray for their hearts. Be open to what you have in store for them. Uh, some of the subjects that we talk about, God, it's it's a little different than than the normal that we hear. But God, you want us to say it for a reason because it's all about you. And so we're so thankful for you. And we just praise your name for these moments. We praise your name for this beautiful day. God, we're just so thankful for who you are in and out of our lives. God, for every listener that will listen to this, God, we just pray over their hearts and their minds right now that they be open up to the healing that they open up to what you're going to do. They open up to grace. Um, God, I'm so thankful just to be on the behalf of those who have been muted. God, I pray that you would open up their voice, give them strength, God, to, to build them into newness, to build them into the woman that you created them to be. Uh, and maybe it's a man that's going to listen to this, God. We just pray uh, over his heart too, God, that he may be unmuted as well. God, we just thankful for our hearts that you've given us, God, to um, the voice that you have given us. Uh, to speak out on your on your behalf, God, and be um, prophets of your word, God. We are so thankful, um, again, that you would open up our mouths and open us our mind of those who have been muted. God, I just pray for those who have been abused, that you would be with them. God, that their strength comes from you. Remind them of who they are in you, uh, yes. that you you created us. Again, before, before you were formed, we were formed in our mother's womb, before we were an apple in our dad's eye, you knew who we were. You created us, God. And may we remember, remember that. We remember who you created. And you created us in your image, which means we're creative too, God. And we um, are beautiful and we are strong and we are awesome. And I just pray that any woman that's uh, in an abusive situation right now, God, that they remember who they are in you and that they find that strength to get out of that situation. God, even if it's just a letter to someone 
for help or something. God, just create a moment, God, that they be able to to get out of it. And God, I just pray over those who are carrying guilt and carrying shame. God, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for anything that are coming against your daughters right now, uh, that you will strengthen them, give them hope, restore their dreams, change their lives, God. And we just pray that you will just uh, come in and over their lives from the top of their hands to the soles of their feet, God. Yes. May they be new in you. We are so thankful, God, for the blessings and the testimonies that are going to come for these women that are, are letting go and becoming all that they they uh, are created in you. In yes. Jesus' name. Yes, Father. And right now, God, I pray for anybody listening who is like, who is this God Elizabeth and Tiffany are talking about? Like, who is this? What is the blood of Jesus? And right now, I'm going to share the, the, the good news. God sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That Jesus came in the form of flesh and lived a perfect life. And he bore your sickness and your disease and his body was broken, beaten, and he hung on a cross and his blood was poured out and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again and he's coming back for us. And, and, and the Bible says those who call on the, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mm-hmm. It, if you do not know, if you were to die right now, where you would go, I implore you to just call on the name of Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and, and come and, and rule over my life. Come and live in my heart. It is as simple as that. Those who call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. God and I. Thank you for those who are crying out to you right now and their 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 name is being wrote in the Lamb's book of life. I thank you, God, that they have now sealed their destiny, their eternity will be reconciled to you, Father. And I thank you for that. And God, I come before you now for all the women and men that are listening testimony that can identify with any part of it. Any, it, whether it's abuse, whether it's the way they, they view Heavenly Father, whether it's um, hunger, hungering for more intimacy with you, God. If it's, um, Lord, the, the youth pastor that was set out on a mission to reach the inner city kids, God, whatever part of, their, of her testimony they identify, pray for victory in that area. I pray, God, that I declare your word over every man, woman, and child listening to my voice. You are more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus, and that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word right now. Whatever words have been spoken over your life that you've come into agreement with that are not in agreement with the word of God, we break them now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that the spirit of truth would come and speak to their hearts that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that he who began a good work in you will be faithful yes. to complete it that he is not angry with you yes. that he delights over you with singing and dancing that he has mm. plans to prosper your life that god is not abandoned the work of his hands that he knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb he knows the hairs on your head Guys, God loves you. Father, I thank you for Elizabeth's story. I thank you that she is overcoming. I thank you that she's victorious in you, Jesus. I thank you that you spoke to her, your word, Psalm 107.2, and you told her to open her mouth and begin to testify. God, I thank you speaks with with courage, God, and that she has the authority, God, in you, Christ Jesus, to set prisoners free, Isaiah 60. 
one, God, that, that you have anointed her to open the prison to them that are bound. God, thank you. And women that, that hear her speak, women that get involved in her organization, women and men that read her book, that the spirit of the living God come upon them. God, and you set them free from bondage that has them bound, God. You would wash over us. God, I pray for um, that you would block out times in our day where we can get uh, intimate with you, where we can mm-hmm. get in your word, where you get stuff from heaven into our into us, God, that we may know you more intimately, that we may have a better understanding of just like Elizabeth said, oh, she's, she's walking in new levels of understanding your love. I pray for a fresh level, a fresh increase of understanding your love for each one of us. To you be the glory. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, that's Amen. all for episode uh, on Testimonies with Tiffany. Elizabeth, thank you for coming on and, and being thank vulnerable you. and sharing what God has done. And just I bless the work of your hands and, and the things that God has called you to. And, and I bless you. I, you would walk in the fullness of the call that's been placed on your life. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and thank you. I thank you for, for being a woman of God and, and, and walking out, walking out this process with the Lord courageously. Amen. Thank you. Yes. And so that is all for testimonies with Tiffany. Remember possible and let God do what's impossible. Thanks for listening to Testimonies with Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review online. To catch all the latest from Tiffany, you can follow her on Instagram at TifferTom, and you can subscribe to her email list to get exclusive updates at TravisAndTiffanyTombry.com. That's all spelled out. (laughs) Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.